And so you get this like amazing fullness effect where most people that I work with and I've had the same experience are like, I cannot eat enough protein to save my life. I'm trying, but it's so hard. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I always say that's why those steakhouses have, you know, those contests where, you know, if you eat the whole steak, it's free because they know it's so hard. It's almost impossible to keep eating meat or protein. Once you've hit that threshold, there's a lot of feedback from the body that just says no more protein, you know, please stop eating. Um, and it's very liberating for anyone who has struggled with food addiction. Like I have in the past where you're suddenly like, oh my gosh, I don't want any more food. I still have food left over my plate, or I haven't thought of food all day. And to going from, you know, living to eat to just eating to live, it's just such, it has such a huge impact on someone's life. Welcome to the Rock Your Best Life podcast. On this podcast, I bring you information, education, advice, and tips from healthcare professionals, scientists, doctors, and everyday people who have changed their lives and health through diet lifestyle and mindset changes and are now rocking their best life. Join me on this journey to rock your best life. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice as I am not a qualified healthcare provider. The information presented on this podcast is for educational purposes only. Rock your best life and rock and rosa wellness are not qualified to provide medical advice. Please consult your own physician or provider with any medical issues that you may be experiencing. This disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors of this podcast. Hello, rock stars, and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited that you decided to tune into today's episode. Today, I am so excited to bring to you my interview that I did with Vanessa Spina, um, ketogenic girl. Um, she has just been such an inspiration to me, um, you know, really since the beginning of my journey. Um, she is just full of such great knowledge. She has uh, a wonderful podcast um, called Fast Keto and now a new podcast called the Optimal Protein Podcast. And she has just been somebody that I have really looked to um, you know, for the science, um, to break down the science of keto and carnivore and kind of this low carb way of eating and why it works so well. Um, and because she has a lot of amazing people on her podcast and she has, she just helps people in such an amazing way. Um, she wrote the book Keto Essentials, um, the best-selling book Keto Essentials, and she has a new device, uh, the Tone Device. Um, which we talk about in this episode. Um, there's nothing else like it out there. Um, and she talks about why it's so effective with gauging um, how we're burning, how we're burning fat, <laughs> you know, what we're burning for, you know, ketones and all that stuff without having to prick our finger and do all this stuff. Um, and so it's just more accessible. And that's what I really like about her. She's making... Um, keto and carnivore and low carb just more accessible to people and that's really what I think we need to do um, you know to educate people um, to change you know more lives it's just to to simplify it and make it more accessible Um, and I just love talking to her she just had a baby 
Um, we talk a little bit about that. Um, and we talk about, you know, why protein, um, why we need protein and, you know, what some people may do to kind of um, experiment and what kind of signs that you could um, listen to your body, um, you know, kind of experiment. And, you know, like I've done, I've done some experiments with, you know, testing my blood, blood sugar. Um, and I learned that from her, actually. Um, blood sugar, ketones, um, we can test these things. These are, um, you know, biofeedback measures that our body will give us. Um, and she, um, like I said, she just came out with a tone device. Um, and she has a book called Keto Essentials. Um, she's also a, um, a biomedical um, science student at the University of um, University of Toronto. Um, and so she's always learning and that's what I love about her. She's always learning, always growing and just sharing with people what she's learned. Um, she has a 28 day keto challenge on her website. Um, and she's just, you know, such a joy to talk to. And I've looked up to her for a while. And so this is, you know, something that I love about having this podcast. Um, I can just you know, I'm able to talk to people and learn from them and bring that information to you guys. And and so I hope that you guys find some value in this podcast today. And I hope that you learn something. Um, you know, I think a lot of times when we hear, um, you know, coming from, you know, different diets, when we hear like a low carb or, or a keto or, you know, a diet that is promoting to eat more meat and more fat, sometimes you know, we can get very confused because of, of the narrative that has been played out, um, you know, for so many years. But when we really look at the science of it, there's all kinds of studies that are being done now. Um, and she talks a lot about studies, um, scientific studies. We can look at that. And that is really where we should be getting our information from. And it's not from you know, um, all of this bad science that has, has really, you know, been the foundation of what we are told about health. You know, unfortunately, um, there's a lot of bad science out there, but, you know, we can also look at anecdotally, like what is working for so many people? Um, and, you know, really understanding the why behind why. And so that's what I love about her new podcast is she really talks, she has made a point just to focus on protein. And what I like um, about her too is that she came from a vegetarian, a vegan um, diet. And so she kind of understands how hard it is to get adequate protein um, through that kind of a diet. Um, not that it's impossible, but she works with people. And so she does have, you know, vegetarian um, plans in her in her programs um, so and she really talks about you know um, the fact that it is possible but you know you do need to work harder and get the right sources um, and we even talk a little bit about that in the podcast um, and so I hope that you enjoy this today and if you do enjoy this if you do find value in this today um, go ahead and share this and tag me tag Vanessa um, I would love to know your thoughts and, um, and I will link all of her, all of her information down in the show notes, of course. 
And um, be sure to leave me a rating review over on iTunes and let me know how you are loving this podcast. And I hope that you guys have a great rest of your week. And don't forget to rock your best life. Welcome back to the Rock Your Best Life podcast. With me today, I have the honor of talking to Vanessa Spina, a ketogenic girl. And she is a sport nutrition specialist, a scientist, the best-selling author of Keto Essentials, uh, the creator of the Tone Device, an international speaker, the host of Fast Keto, and now the Optimal Protein Podcast. Welcome, Vanessa. Well, thank you for such a wonderful welcome. I'm so happy to be here with you, Rosa. Yeah, and it's really amazing, um, just humbling to talk to you today. Um, because you provide so much um, great education, information, um, and you've been a big inspiration to me in my journey. Oh, thank you. I just, it's so awesome to hear that and hear that, you know, something that I was sharing helped you in some way to find a diet that works for you and is sustainable. And uh, like we were talking about before the podcast, it's, I love eating this way um, and it's very sustainable. And I'm so glad that you found that for yourself as well. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, um, I think you, it was your podcast that I first heard of the story of Kelly Hogan. Um, <laughs> yes, and I have actually had the honor of interviewing her as well. Oh, she's, uh, um, she's hilarious. I know. So fun. She is so full of energy in life. I, yeah. But when I heard, her, I heard your, um, on, you know, your interview with her on your podcast for the first time, and then I was thinking, oh my gosh, how can how can this be? How can you just eat meat? You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but then I tried it for myself. Um, and I was kind of forced in a way through, through um, things that were happening in my body to just go to that. And it's so healing. Um, but to go back and forth between, you know, carnivore, ketovore, you know, keto, um, all those things. Um, it's, it's fun. It's fun <laughs> to do that and to, to kind of tinker with like what makes you feel the best, you know? Yes, absolutely. Well, um, and today I want to talk, uh, you know, about your new podcast, about your um, new device that you've created um, and about, uh, you know, um, being a new mom. Um, but first, I really want to go into, you know, where, how did you come about you know, go into a keto diet and becoming such a big advocate and um, getting interested in, you know, biochemistry and, and science and all these things that you're, you're into. Yeah. It's so funny because the one subject that I loved in high school was biology, but I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself that I could be a scientist. I don't know why I just, it it just wasn't something that I thought was for myself. Uh, I thought I would do something in international affairs or politics or finance, which is what I ended up going into. And then when I actually challenged myself to go back to school, because it was a few years ago now to study biochemistry at the beginning, it was like, I was suddenly learning Russian, you know, it was like a completely different language. And, you know, I started out really struggling, but I really threw everything that I had into it. And by the end I was scoring, you know, really, really high marks and really thriving in it. And I was like, this is, you know, this is that one class that I loved in, in school, but I just, 
I don't know why I never thought it was for me. And it's been amazing to discover truly what my passion is and find it. And the reason I love biochemistry is because the better I understand nutritional science, the better I can communicate it. And then other people who are listening can have the same effect. They can understand it better. They can communicate it better. And the, the message ultimately of what we want to share, which is optimal health, it gets spread, you know, in better ways, in more informed ways, because, you know, it's one thing when I first started out keto before I studied biochem, you know, I was relying on a lot of research that I did, but I didn't always know how to communicate it properly, you know, and someone would say, well, what about cholesterol or what about gluconeogenesis or something? And I, I would feel stumped. Like I didn't know how to answer. So I knew that I had to really inform and educate myself and research and, and put in that time and work because I knew that this was my passion. So it's been amazing to learn it. And then the podcast was the fast keto podcast. And, you know, it's, it's been growing in popularity over the years. It's been doing really well. And the, this summer I started the protein series and Mm -hmm. that has been growing so rapidly that, you know, it's, it was always my favorite episodes to do whenever I did a protein series episode. So I was like, well, this is what I love to do. This is what the audience is loving. So why not just change it and call it the optimal protein podcast? So it's a similar format as before, but it's just more protein content, you know, sort of, uh, you know, just getting to focus and talk about that more and how I first came to keto originally, I just struggled with my health for so many years. And I, always felt really low energy, really fatigued. I didn't feel good in my body. I didn't feel fit. And I started learning about intermittent fasting and low carb. And the more I learned and was applying this stuff, the more I was seeing these amazing changes in my body. So it sort of took over my uh, hobby time, my off time, my downtime, I would just post and share recipes and, and people started asking me for more information and meal plans. And it just eventually took over my life and I had to quit my job in finance, do this full time, but it's been the most rewarding thing. Uh, and I, I feel like I'm never working because I love what I do so much and I work nonstop. I mean, you know, seven days a week, but it's so enjoyable and it's what I would be doing anyway, if I wasn't working. (laughs) So it's really been an incredible journey, I guess, to hear. Yeah, no, it's been amazing that, you know, I've kind of watched you grow over the years with your content, um, and, and, and the podcast and everything and all the different people you've had on and. And I just love how you break down the science because you, yeah, you've taught me a lot of about, I wouldn't have known about gluconeogenesis and, and protein sparing and all that stuff, um, you know, because it's very interesting when you, um, put it out there that you're going to be eating more meat or, um, you know, even a carnivore diet. That's the first thing people say is, well, um, if you're eating high protein, that it's basically like eating chocolate cake. Right. Um, because it just converts, it turns to sugar. Right. Um, that, that main myth is the one that actually made me go back to school because that was the one that I was always, I would always get stuck on because I liked eating more protein and I'm, and I was always so worried, like, oh, this is just going to turn to glucose. And I would listen to so many experts and I was like, I need to understand this for myself. And I need to learn the language about chemistry so I can understand this and what is really going on. And 
what's kind of scary sometimes is the more you learn, the more you realize, like, we don't know things. And a lot of science is actually just inferring. Like when I was in school, my program was a biomedical science program at the university of Toronto. And they were like, you know, this thing in the body does something and we still have no idea. And I was like, really, you don't know, <laughs> like you wow. guys are the experts. How do you not know? And, you know, they're still figuring things out. Like with babies, science still doesn't know what triggers labor. You know, there's guesses, there's hypotheses, and that's what a lot of science is. But with the gluconeogenesis thing, it actually was the one thing that I was like, I need to understand this inside out because no matter who I talk to, I don't get it. And a lot of the guests that I bring on have different theories, you know? Mm -hmm. So like you listen to one guy and you're like, okay, I've got it now. I, I totally get it. And then I interview someone else and he says the opposite and you're like, oh no, like now what do I do? So if you get, if you understand it yourself, then you can, you know, sort of take those answers from different people and build your own theories, uh, which I now have, you know, my sort of my understanding of gluconeogenesis and that, you know, it changes depending on context and state and the diet the person's doing and, and so many different things. But yeah, that one thing about gluconeogenesis, about protein turning to cake, I think is a big block for a lot of people mm -hmm. who see better results with more protein or want to eat more protein. And they're scared to, they're scared. It's going to raise their blood sugar. It's going to stall their results when it really does the opposite. And it's such an important thing for people to understand, you know, more protein is more helpful for recomposing your body as opposed to it being detrimental in any way. Yeah. And then it has so many other amazing, you know, benefits. Um, cause the first thing I noticed was the satiety, you know, yes. when I started, just when I started eating more meat and it blew my mind, I was like, what? <laughs> So I can eat more meat and then I'm full like all day. Like yeah. I can eat one meal. I can eat, you know, I usually do two meals. I'm tinkering with doing two meals and, you know, mm -hmm. one meal. And, but I, you know, um, I find that um, I feel better, you know, on two meals. <laughs> um, Instead of one meal a day? Yeah, for myself anyway. But, um, I, you know, just the eating the more protein is so satisfying. And yes. Why do you think that is? Why is it so safe? So there's, yeah, there's a few different reasons. So uh, some of my favorite scientists, Dr. Robinheimer and Simpson, they did some studies called uh, that they, they basically came up with what they call the protein leverage hypothesis. And they found that first they were studying insects and then they replicated the studies in animals, but and eventually humans, that there's sort of this protein set point that we have in the body and we will continue to be hungry and continue to want food until we get our protein needs met. So if you've eaten all day and you eat the way that I used to, which is like a really high carb diet, just getting like, you know, especially when I was vegetarian, just like little bits of protein here and there all day, you never feel satisfied. You're always hungry. And, you know, versus if you flip it and you prioritize protein, you're full all the time because you're getting what your body needs. And they did these studies where they would have people preload with protein and then another group not preload with protein. And then they would sort of unleash them on a buffet. And, you know, the ones who had preloaded with a the protein, they just ate sort of a very moderate amount of food. The ones who didn't, they really overdid it. And, you know, it's, it really they really showed, you know, repeating the studies over and over again, that we'll just eat and eat and eat and eat until we get that protein, 
you know, those essential, those nine essential amino acids that we have to get every day from food sources. And if we don't get it from food sources, we will continue to be hungry and we will also waste our own lean mass in order to get that protein, those amino acids. So the other way that protein is so satisfying is in, it triggers certain signals in the brain that, you know, you're full and it also releases certain satiety hormones like peptide YY. So it's very much linked with that, that satiety. And also there's a certain amount of nitrogen that has to be sequestered when you break down protein into amino acids. And this nitrogen has to go to our liver and the liver then turns it into urea. And then we excrete that, which is called urine. And your body can only do that at a certain rate. And so there's a very long period of time that your body's breaking down the protein. It takes about four to five hours. If you're say eating a meat protein is different if it's whey and it's sort of like pre digested or processed, but it takes a long time for your stomach to empty. And so you get this like amazing fullness effect where most people that I work with, and I've had the same experience are like, I cannot eat enough protein to save my life. I'm trying, but it's so hard. And, you know, I always say that's why those steakhouses have, you know, those contests where, you know, if you eat the whole steak, it's free because they know it's so hard. It's almost impossible to keep eating meat or protein. Once you've hit that threshold, there's a lot of feedback from the body that just says no more protein, you know, please stop eating. Um, and it's very liberating for anyone who has struggled with food addiction. Like I have in the past where you're suddenly like, Oh my gosh, I don't want any more food. I still have food left over my plate, or I haven't thought of food all day. And to going from, you know, living to eat to just eating to live. It's just such, it has such a huge impact on someone's life. Yes, I agree that actually that was what, um, you know, I noticed with eating, you know, going carnivore and then, you know, keto war, but, um, just eating more meat was that I, I had a lot of food addictions. Um, you know, I was addicted to chocolate <laughs> and that was the one I was trying to break. And what I did is I just ate all the meat. I just yes. stuffed myself with meat. And then every time I was craving um, the sweet taste, that chocolate or something, I just went and I got a pat of butter and put a little salt on it. <laughs> that was how I cured my, my food addiction. Um, and it's hard to explain that to people. Like, just eat lots of meat and have some fat, and, and it will help with the mental aspect and then the habit. And then you won't want it. At, like, I don't want it anymore, you know? Yeah. And it, yeah you're it's so liberating. It is. It's incredibly liberating. I'm so happy that you found that for yourself as well. Yeah. And just tinkering and, you know, just like, why do I keep wanting this sweet taste, you know? And then I realized something clicked in my brain was like, well, I need to get that sweet taste out and just have that kind of, um, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Just like, just like that, you know, the, the taste of meat and fat and, um, kind of those savory, you know, taste. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's interesting too, that if you switch back and forth between savory and sweet, it'll make you want to eat more, which is one of the reasons my original meal plans that I have, I always make sure that people don't drink 
anything when they're eating. And the number one reason for that is because it can digest, it can dilute your digestive enzymes. So then it slows down your digested, your digestion, but also because say, if you're eating a savory meal, but you're drinking something that tastes sweet, it's going to make you eat more than if you just ate the savory meal and you had like sips of water because you're switching back and forth and that triggers your appetite to want to have more. And that restaurants know this, you know, that's why they have appetizers and dessert, you know, as long as you're switching back and forth between that sweet and savory, you're going to end up eating like double or if not more than if you didn't. Yeah, no, that makes total sense because, you know, after a meal and then they offer dessert, and yeah. then you're like, okay, well, sometimes, you know, you're like, okay, I'll have dessert. Um, and then you find yourself overeating on the dessert and it's like, you weren't even hungry, you know? Right. And one trick it's very common in Europe, but a lot of times here for breakfast, people have like savory breakfast a lot more than like pastries and things, but also for dessert, they have cheese. And that's one thing that I switched to, you know, like you said, with the butter is, you know, if we're out to dinner at a restaurant and everyone's like still talking and they're like, do you like dessert? And everyone orders dessert and you're sitting there like, well, you know, I don't want to just be left out. So if you get some cheese or like if they have a cheese plate, you get that and you have a couple bites and you're good because it's the same like savory, you know, and it's also got protein in it. So you're, you know, you feel very, you know, satisfied from that and that can help for anyone if they're in like sort of a social gathering or over the holidays or anytime you're at a party and everyone's indulging and you want to not be left out, but like also not overeat, then sticking with that same savory thing uh, can help. Yeah, no, that's a great tip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I mean, um, it's hard sometimes when you don't, you know, you do feel a little left out when you, you yeah. know, can't have the sweets and treats or don't want the sweets and treats. Um, so yeah, just having, you know, even like a little charcuterie board or something. Yes, yes. And those can be really nice um, and just satisfy that uh, that craving. There's something about, I noticed at family gatherings and especially just social gatherings with friends that there's this bonding that happens around these like rituals, especially like, you know, the meals, obviously it's always like around, you know, some kind of feast or something, but there's something where you bond, you know, when you're all together, you know, eating that stuff. And if you just sit out and you sit there with an empty plate, you really do feel left out. Like you're missing out on that bonding and communing. So, um, I always try to, you know, recommend like low carbon keto desserts too, for people to make, but, um, in a restaurant, you know, most places will have some kind of cheese plate, or they can like put some cheese on a plate for you or do something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, there's, yeah, there's so much, so many rituals and bonding and, and yeah, you're right. We don't want to feel left out, but we can find healthier ways to be included, you know? Um, well, I'm really interested in, um, the tone device, um, how, now, how did you come about this uh, device? Because um, I knew that you were developing something, but I didn't know what. <laughs> and then you came out with this tone device, and it sounds amazing, and it like it could help a lot of people. So why don't you explain to us what it is and how you came about it? Yeah, so the tone, and for anyone watching on video, I have it here. It's called uh, the tone, and it's a breath acetone 
measuring or sensor uh, measuring device. And basically what it does is it can measure the ketones that are expelled on the breath. And this is something that I started creating. It's been about three years now. And I had seen a similar device out there on the market. I think it was called the Lumen and it measures CO2. And I think I saw an ad or a video for it. And, you know, people were breathing into it and getting feedback on whether they were burning carbs or fat. And it just gave me goosebumps. Like I was like, this is amazing, you know, to just be able to breathe into it. And I would love to have something like that for keto, you know, because the finger pricking is just so invasive and painful and expensive. It's just got a lot of pain points or sort of, you know, issues for people who want to get the data and feedback. So I basically decided to start researching how to make one, design it. And I wanted something that was really cute and sort of portable and feminine. And I've also got, you know, black and gold ones for men as well, but um, just something that, you know, would make it easy to take with you when you're traveling. And that's another thing with the finger pricking. It's like, if you're in an airport or someone's house, you can't just pull out your little glucose monitor and start, you know, puncturing your skin and, you know, measuring your blood, like in a public place, it's just a very awkward, you know, I always had to go to the bathroom and, you know, do it. And you kind of like, you're having to find all these ways, um, to do that. And, uh, with this, you know, it doesn't matter where you are, you can do it anywhere. You can use it anywhere. Take it anywhere you go. And there's a couple of really neat features on it that I think make it a little bit easier to use than some of the other ones. I really wanted to create something that was just really easy to use, portable, and more cost-effective because with the tone, you know, you just invest in it one time and you have it for life. So it's unlimited testing. You don't have to buy these test strips all the time. The test strips also come with a lot of packaging and waste, whereas, you know, in the sort of, it sort of has this aspect that it's a little bit better for the environment in that way as well. And it's got some great features that some of the other devices on the market don't have. So it has a really high level of accuracy, especially with lower levels of ketones. So what's interesting about measuring the breath is when you measure the blood, you're measuring a form of ketone, which is BHB or beta hydroxybutyrate. And it's a storage form of ketone. So when you test your blood ketones, it's kind of similar to blood glucose in that you're seeing what's circulating, but you don't really know what's being used. Whereas on the breath, you see more sort of a better picture of what's being excreted or used. And in a lot of research studies, it's been shown that acetone is a biomarker for fat loss for people, even if they're not doing keto. So that really, really sparked my interest further in, in developing this. And, uh, it has only a 20 second calibration. So when you turn it on, it warms up for 20 seconds and you breathe into it for about five seconds and you just get an instant reading and it'll let you know which zone you're in. If you are, you know, if you have no fat burning, you know, it'll be zero. If you have like light fat burning or you're in the fat burning zone and you see the numbers, so you can test things like, uh, you know, every day I'll test different macros, different meals, different meal timings, different you know, I'll do a shorter fasting window. I'll close my eating window at five instead of six. And, you know, you see how it makes a difference or uh, you can test different kinds of exercises going for a hike versus high intensity interval training or resistance training. 
you know, whenever I do those workouts, I see different results and numbers. So you get all this feedback, um, you know, on these different activities, you can, you can see where you're feeling your best, where you're getting the best results and it just helps guide your decisions. And I find it very motivating, uh, as well, because, you know, just like blood glucose, you're getting feedback, you know, someone who is wearing a CGM or testing their blood sugar, you know, they know what happens if they have like three donuts, <laughs> they know what they're going to see. They know they can see what it's going to do to their blood sugar. And the same thing you can kind of see, you know, if it's going to slow down your efforts for fat loss, you know, if it's, you're going to go from burning a lot of fat to not, you know, it, it has that motivating factor in it as well. Yeah, that's amazing. And I can't wait to try it. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, the, you know, I found I found with the, um, yeah, some of the devices, sometimes they'll discontinue it or they'll or they'll discontinue the strips, um, you know, and then it is just uncomfortable. Um, so just breathing into something and then knowing that what you're doing is working or not working and um yeah, I can't wait to try it out. <laughs> it, it, it's really fun to play with. And now, you know, we finally just shipped all of the white and gold ones out. Everyone had who had pre-ordered on Thursday and Friday. So now I'm just seeing everyone getting them and starting to play with it and experiment. And what's really neat is sort of getting it. And then you test yourself, you know, several times throughout the day and you just establish this baseline. So, you know, your body's very efficient. So, it'll kind of keep you at a certain level, you know, for the most part in a 24 hour cycle. And once you know what that level is, then you start like experimenting with things and you see the difference and it, it does make a difference when you change things up. So uh, the feedback is, is really fun to play with. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't wait to try it out <laughs> and see how many people that you help with it too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I do hope that it helps people. You know, I've seen how learning about blood glucose has, you know, it really affects people's lives when they start to see something that's not visible most of the time, you know, and we're, I think we're going into a time when we're going to have more and more feedback on so many different things, you know, people have like rings that they wear and, you know, we, we're getting all this feedback on what our body's doing, but the more insight we get on like our blood glucose, hopefully soon insulin, you know, our breath acetone, our ketones, all these things, we just learn more about our bodies and everyone's different. You know, we all have the same sort of physiology and basic biochemistry, but everyone reacts to things differently and reacts to different inputs and outputs differently. So you, you really want to learn about your body and um, I'm excited to see more and more tools like this, uh, you know, come on as well. Yeah, I'm really excited too. And yeah, and that was the big thing that I learned too from just watching your journey and your podcast was that finding what works for you um, often involves, yeah, eating something and then an hour later, like testing your glucose, um, you know, and seeing how you feel and all those things. It could be, you know, so eye-opening. Um, because yeah. I didn't realize, you know, at one point I was, uh, I thought this was a healthy snack. It was like almond butter with a, on an apple, um, mm -hmm. I was doing more, you know, kind of paleo and, and then I, I knew I didn't feel the best afterwards, but then I tested my blood sugar and I was like, oh my gosh, well, no wonder <laughs> it was like through the roof, you know? Yes. And then, and it took a long time to come back down. 
Yes. And that's one of the really fascinating things that uh, when I interviewed Kara Collier, I've had her on the podcast a couple of times. She's someone you should definitely interview on your podcast, but uh, with NutriSense, they look at all the data and they'll see that for some people, bananas, they have a huge spike and other people no spike, you know, and then the same thing for like sweet potatoes. And there is a huge variability from person to person. So, you know, it is, like you said, it's so important to test things out. And oftentimes it's actually the things like you said that you think are really healthy that are sort of like stalling or, you know, um, just, you don't know that they're, they're having a certain effect because you just assume that they're healthy and they're really sabotaging you. Um, so when you start, you know, when you wear like a CGM or you start testing yourself or your breath or whatever more, then you, you see those things and you figure them out and it's, it's so insightful and helpful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Um, well, let's, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, you, you had a baby recently and um and was this was this plan were you trying to get pregnant or and how did you how did you prepare your body for this because having a baby carrying a baby is such a it's such a big thing for our bodies to do yeah i mean we we had not really planned for a while to have children and then all of a sudden I was like, I think we need to start trying because, you know, women only have like certain window. Right. So I was like, well, you know, it's sort of now or never, like we need to try, you know, I'm in my thirties, like who knows how long my, you know, fertile years will be or, or whatever. So let's just try now. And we'd always talked about wanting a family. We just didn't know when, and you kind of get into a place sometimes especially in your thirties where like, you really like your life and you're like, I really like my life. I love my life. You know, I, I don't want to change it or, or anything. And, and people always say children like totally change your life. So it can be kind of a scary thing. Uh, but we just decided to go for it. And I, up until then I had been really doing high protein and carnivore and just a lot of nutrient density for myself. I, one thing that I did start doing that was different was taking prenatal prenatal vitamins before. And that's something I learned from Dr. Kate Shanahan is a lot of people take them once they get pregnant. But if you are preparing your body for pregnancy, you want to make sure your nutrient status, everything is very, very high because a lot of the nutrients are going to go to the baby when you are pregnant. So if you don't have, you know, high levels of nutrients in your body and you're not actively getting it from your diet, then you personally may start to feel really depleted and run down. And especially after the pregnancy. So, you know, you need to make sure that you prepare yourself sort of ahead of time. And that's one thing that I did is, you know, doing prenatal vitamins. I still doing them now because I'm breastfeeding, but, you know, sort of starting that early. And I actually did what I believe to be the best thing for hormones. And, you know, one of the major hormones in our bodies is a lot of people know is insulin and it is connected, you know, in some cases to PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome and certain issues that cause infertility. So I knew that I wanted to keep my insulin very, very low. And the best way to do that from my knowledge is doing a 
high fat carnivore diet or ketogenic carnivore diet, as I referred to it. So ketogenic high fat macros, but just with carnivore. So I was doing like really fatty red meats, a lot of egg yolks, like so many egg yolks. I was doing egg yolk pudding, egg yolk muffins, just, you know, a lot of hollandaise, Bernays sauce, a lot of ribeye steak, a lot of uh, burgers, really high fat uh, burger patties and just anything that, you know, was animal based, a lot of meat and eggs and uh, cream and, you know, just really high fat. And it, it worked really well. Like we got pregnant almost right away. And uh, from then I had, you know, a very smooth, easy pregnancy. I kind of went back to, I was still doing carnivore the first trimester, uh, when I started the second one, I started did a little bit more keto, brought in a little bit more variety in, uh, but it went extremely well. The pregnancy was super easy. I felt totally myself the entire time. I didn't have any negative symptoms or difficulty with it. And I just felt like I was me, but I also had Luca and, uh, and was pregnant. So that's kind of what I did to prepare myself. And, you know, it, it was a really wonderful pregnancy and Luca is just absolutely thriving. He's six months old now. And, uh, he's just, he's just amazing. And the way that he's changed our lives is in every single way for the better, you know, and, um, (laughs) it's just so, so amazing. And we just can't imagine life without him. He's enriched our lives so much. And he wakes us up every day with giggles and, and smiles. And he's just, uh, just, such a wonderful little person. <laughs> so <Aww. laughs> yeah, that's so good to hear. Yeah. I can't believe he's already six months. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. I can't either. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, you know, you don't really know until you experience it, you know, you can't. Yeah. And especially a, a nice, a beautiful baby boy that you have, you know, I have a boy myself. He's 14 now, but <laughs> Aww. But he cha- he's cha- he's changed my life, you know. Too, they 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 truly light up your your soul, you know. They yes. give you they give you purpose. Yes, um, and you do anything for them, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and it's so great that he's getting off to a great start because he has you for a mom. You know, you know so much. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's been really fun because now he's six months. So, you know, we're starting baby led weaning and, you know, just giving him like whatever we're eating. And, you know, last night he's just grabbing like steak and chicken and he loves, uh, you know, all kinds of keto carnivore foods. And, um, I'm not planning on keeping him, you know, strictly carnivore or keto or anything. It's just, you know, keeping it a whole foods, like low or carb, like less process approach, but it's been really fun to see him like loving eggs and liver and steak and, you know, just a lot of, uh, protein. And I think he had a little bit of Pete's mashed potatoes and it was really cute. Um, oh. you know, it's, it's like pureed. And so we put like a little bit of salmon with it and he loves salmon too. So it's fun to now, you know, see him, you know, enjoying food and discovering food because it's such a a pleasure in life. Um, So it's neat to see him, you know, starting to do that. Yeah, no, that's amazing. That's so good to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And what are, you know, what are some of the myths that you think of, of that people have about having a keto or a carnivore pregnancy and then um, doing what you're doing with introducing these foods so early? Like, what do you, what do you think? 
Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. So, you know, a lot of people, I I think that the reason why there is a negative perception of keto during pregnancy is because people don't understand what keto is or what it can be. So, you know, like we were talking about before the podcast, you know, when you first heard of keto or you sort of had an idea of it, you thought it was this really unhealthy, like just cheese and like high fat foods. And you were like, how can that be healthy? And I think that's how most people perceive keto is that it's just like all fat and like dairy and cheese and all this stuff, but you can do keto. And I think the optimal way to do keto is, you know, just a really nutrient dense whole foods approach. So, you know, if you say to like a healthcare practitioner, like, can I do keto during pregnancy? They might freak out. But if you say, can I do a low carb or whole foods unprocessed diet while I'm pregnant? And they'll be like, yeah, that's wonderful. So that's what I did. You know, I was like, I just do low carb. I just eat you know, salmon and steak and really nutrient dense foods and liver and a lot of vegetables. And they were like, wow, you know, that's, that's fantastic. So I think it's just a misconception that's just around the terminology. So if you're communicating with your primary care provider, you know, about your approach, you know, just make sure to use words that they can relate to because they may not be able to relate to just keto. What is that? I've heard ketoacidosis. That's a scary thing. You know, don't use those words, but just say like nutrient dense, low carb, unprocessed, lots of, you know, healthy nutrient dense foods and vegetables. And they'll be very supportive of that in general. And if not, you know, I always, you know, uh, default to one of my favorite authors. Um, she wrote Lily Nichols. She wrote, uh, real food pregnancy and her work has influenced policy in in check for example you know they now recommend a low carb diet for just to prevent or to deal with gestational diabetes so you know that's a great book you know to have with you when you're looking at that um, that kind of approach so i think it just comes down to confusion lack of information lack of education and and just a misperception of what keto actually is no, I completely agree. And and a lot of times, if you just say too that you're doing an anti-inflammatory diet. Oh yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> because that's totally what it is, you know. Yes. Um, and a lot of times, you know, if you go into the doctor and you have a lot of issues with inflammation or autoimmune, a lot of times they will recommend that you take out the grains um, and that yes. you go to an anti-inflammatory diet because um, more and more research is coming out about all the things. Yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I think that's, that's key is, is using that terminology and most doctors, they get the concept of low inflammation, anti-inflammatory. Um, so yeah, that's a great point. Well, I, um, I have one last question for you before we close here is I'm really curious what your opinion is on, um, you know, plant-based protein versus animal-based protein. Um, yes, and because I know your whole focus is, um, is protein, of course, but I love how you do include options for people if they are vegan or vegetarian, but you know, what, what do you think is the most optimal? So what I've learned from studying, you know, amino acid, nutrition, protein, nutrition is the amino acids that are made for like animals and humans are in animal proteins and plant proteins are sort of made and designed for plants. So in terms of protein quality, you know, this is not something that I have 
necessarily just an opinion on it's it's in the literature it's in you know if you look up protein quality scoring protein scoring you have like you know the pdas scoring system and the highest quality protein is animal derived or animal based so uh if you are plant-based you don't have to eat animals. You can have egg protein. You know, you can do whole egg protein or egg white protein or a combination of that. You know, if you are doing whey protein, uh, whey protein isolate, you know, if you're not vegan, you can still have whey protein isolate. You can still do egg protein. If it, if it comes down to being vegan, there is sort of a combination of pea and rice protein, uh, and the exact ratio of that, uh, actually one of my guests, Menno Henselmans, he talked about the exact ratio of pea and rice that best mimics whey isolate. So if you want to find that episode, uh, it's on the Optimal Protein Podcast interview with Menno Henselmans, and he talked about it. I have to go listen to it again because I want to make that information more available. And, you know, it's one of the reasons I rebranded the podcast is I find keto can be kind of limiting in terms of like we were just talking about how people perceive it. And I really want the message of Optimal Protein to get out to everyone, whether you are plant-based, high-carb, carnivore, you know, whatever diet approach you have. If you are prioritizing protein and the highest quality protein that your lifestyle, you know, permits, then you're probably going to get a lot of health benefits, a lot of metabolic health benefits, body recomposition benefits just from doing that. So I like sort of taking the message more of let's focus on optimal protein, prioritizing protein versus like keto, which is like, you know, cutting out all of these things. And it's great for some people. It's the way that I like to eat, but it's not necessarily for everyone. So I'm trying to make that message more inclusive. And I, you know, I have like Dr. Stu Phillips, actually the episode that I released yesterday on the podcast, we talked about this and he thinks that certain plant-based proteins are totally fine in terms of how they rank, you know, egg and whey are always going to be at the top. But if I were to go back to when I was vegetarian, if I had known this information, I would have suffered way less, uh, you know, from health issues if I had known how to properly, you know, nourish myself with plant-based proteins. So, you know, you may have to eat more. I think that's kind of the bottom line is if you're doing a whey protein isolate, then you're, you don't have to eat as much. If you're doing a plant-based protein, you want to make sure it's the right, you know, mix, but you also have to eat more of it in order to get the amount of leucine that you need for muscle protein synthesis. But one hack that you can do if you are doing plant-based proteins is to have uh, BCAAs that have about five to six grams of leucine in there with every meal. And if you do that, research has shown that you'll get similar results in terms of the muscle protein synthesis effect as if you were eating a larger amount of just the protein. So that's something that people can do. Um, and I think you can do it. You know, you just have to be really smart about it and research it to do it properly. And, you know, if it's within your budget and it's what you can afford because plant-based lifestyles, it's not something that's talked about a lot, but it is something that privileged people can afford to do really well. Mm -hmm. And if you are, you know, in a third world country and you are not able to afford all of these expensive supplements, like protein powder sometimes can be very pricey, you know, then you may not be able to do it. And if you just add added some eggs, 
or some chicken or fish to your diet, then that may be more accessible, you know? So that's just something that I want to point out as well. No. Um, yeah, because, you know, I agree, like we're not, you know, I, I think for myself anyway, um, you know, animal-based protein works more effectively because I can't digest all the plant material, you know, I have a hard time with that. And so just, you have to just know yourself um, mm-hmm. that, that just, um, even Dr. Will Cole has talked about, you know, cause he's, he's more plant-based, um, yes. but he's talked about even with some of his clients, just kind of um, working in some eggs or some fish once in a while. Yes. Yes. Um, and I agree with that. Like if you want to be plant-based, that's great. But um, just realizing that um, it's going to be really hard um, to do that and it's going to be very expensive. Um, and then just being open-minded, you know, to maybe just mix in some of those things once in a while yes. and your body can replenish, you know. Yes, absolutely. I, I definitely agree. And there are a lot of responsibly farmed, you know, um, fisheries, you can look at certain accreditation and licenses that these fisheries can get. You can, you know, buy your eggs from local farms. You can find ways to support, you know, the people who are doing practices that you believe in and, and just nourish yourself better, um, without having to compromise, you know, your ethics, if that's, you know, something that's really important to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, um, I am going to close this out with, can you just Tell us where, um, you know, people can find your programs, um, listen to the podcast and just um, connect with you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was really wonderful to be here with you. I really enjoyed our conversation. I am most active on Instagram at ketogenic girl and the podcast is called the optimal protein podcast. And it was formerly known as fast keto and the tone device. You can also find across social media under the tone device. And it's also available with all my programs at ketogenicgirl.com. So that's the website for all of that. Thank you so much, um, Vanessa. You're doing so much to help people educate people. And um, you're such a wealth of knowledge in this space. So thank you so much for talking to me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Rock Your Best Life podcast. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss a thing. If you loved this episode, I would just love it if you would go over to Apple Podcasts and give me a rating or review. It really helps more people find the information on this podcast. If you need help getting started on your journey, I'm your girl. I would love to be your coach and guide. I offer a free 30-minute discovery call over at rockandrosawellness.com. Let's find what works best for you. I'll talk to you in the next episode. Until then, don't forget to rock your best life.